0: time again for The Difference, presented by Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell, talk show host, columnist, talking head on TV extraordinaire. And we are joined, of course, by the president and CEO of Annex, Dave Spano, to help you know The Difference. Dave, welcome in. Always appreciate talking with you. Yes, thank you, sir. So this week, uh I I'll be honest with you I was I was kind of floored by the budget deficit news because we keep talking about soaring debt and soaring deficit and you know the national debt's at 30 trillion dollars whereas yep. just 30 yep. some years ago it was a tiny fraction of that I was downright shocked by the deficit reduction that we saw
1: right so you know obviously there is a budget not that any politician in recent memory has, has applied that. But, you know, there was a reduction uh, that Clinton had back when he uh, when he first came into office. At least he got credit for it because he was at the helm. But the budget deficit reduced uh, in March by $470 billion, and that's, that's the biggest reduction that we've seen probably back to post-World War II. It was down 7.5%. So that's a huge number. Now you have to ask yourself, Let's take a look at that. How did that really happen, and, and why did the deficit go down? Because then we'll get into a little bit between, you mentioned the debt. So the deficit right, is, of course, the amount that we spend more than we're allotted. That's the deficit. That allotment that we spent goes on top of the debt. And so that debt now is at $30 trillion. And as you said, you go back, I don't know, 15 years ago, it and was, it was 10% of that number. Yeah. So it, it's exploded. But the deficit reduced, and I looked at it and went, hold on a second, how could that possibly happen? Well, in comparison, right? So there were trillions of dollars, as we all know, that were put into circulation over the last 24 months. And so they're spending less than what they did the previous year. So that deficit did come down uh, primarily because they're spending less, and number two, because they picked up a whole lot of tax revenue. Last year, when all the all the politicians were talking about raising taxes, people did some tax planning, and that created tax revenue uh, to the IRS. Yeah, and
0: what people I don't think understand, at least those who who think we can just you know tax our way to economic prosperity, is that tax collections increase paradoxically as tax rates are lower. Remember, we had in the yep. the the 2018. Uh, corporate tax bill, you know, the the tax bill that President Trump signed, we actually had a a tremendous increase primarily because businesses were able to spend far more money on doing business, on expanding operations. They weren't paying nearly as much to the government because we lowered the corporate tax rate to, what, 21% uh, from 28%, and and that was a huge competitive boost, so we saw huge receipts. And then, of course, everything kind of came crashing down with COVID-19 when, you know, entire world basically shut down. Right. So, I think what what we're seeing now, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is that even though we're in a supply chain crunch, even though there's inflation, when you compare the economic activity to 2020, there was a huge bump up. And because we weren't spending the record dollar amounts that we were on uh, COVID relief packages every few months, that led to a reduction in the deficit. But I guess,
1: what's the impact on the overall National debt. So let's let's tear that all apart because that was really good. So for sure when you look at tax revenue, and there has been a, a lot of study on this, that lowering tax rates actually increases revenue because, as you said, business activity picks up. And then they, there's more revenue to, to tax, right? So that's the reason why. And as tax rates go up, it slows down uh, economic activity, and there's a crazy thing called the Lapper Curve. And at some point, it actually reduces it. And so you actually get less revenue by raising rates. I know a lot of people uh, don't believe that, but there is a ton of study that's out there. So that's number one. Number two, you talked about you know, what's the impact on the debt. The debt is still increasing. And it really pulls in this conversation about what the Federal Reserve has to do because they have to try to thread the needle, if you will, and slow down inflation without slowing down the economy to, to stall speed. And so you look at that and go, how are they possibly going to do that? Well, number one is maybe it is a self-fulfilling prophecy that the cure for higher inflation and the cure for higher prices is higher prices. In other words, if you raise something to to defer uh, activity, that'll, that'll actually do that. So just think about oil, for example. If oil goes up to $130, $140 a barrel, that means the price of gas goes up. That may decrease demand, called demand destruction, and slow down higher prices if that actually happens. But the debt is a major issue because of the fact of the trillions of dollars that are out there. And we have to service that debt. We have to pay interest. On the debt, and that's really the problem for generations to come. Well, and
0: and that's the thing the amount of debt service that we're paying, I don't think people have an idea of what it is, especially as the the Fed starts raising interest rates to try to get inflation under control. I mean, we're theoretically paying upwards of over the next couple of years a trillion or so dollars just to just just in debt service. I mean, just like just just, simple, yeah, yeah. just to pay just to pay our interest. I mean, that's that's Staggering. And it, it you know, what, what I find is it's real difficult to think of in terms of like trillion, you know, $30 trillion for the national debt or whatever it is, $2 trillion to service the debt within the next couple of years because, you know, our brains don't really function that high. But if you take a look at, you know, you think about your own family budget and you think if you're paying, say, you know, $30,000 a year just to finance your cars and your home and all that without getting into any of the principle. I mean, is that going to be successful for your long-term budget?
1: Right. And, you know, the the, the flip side of the argument is you and I at our household budgets can't create capital unless, of course, True. you're creating currency in your basement and running it through the washing Shh, machine. But don't tell anybody. You know, most, no, all right, sorry. Uh, the real reason is because we can't create uh, our own capital in here in this country, we can do that, and we are continuing to do that. Called modern monetary theory, and we're just creating all of this money. But all of that created the inflation, and you didn't have to be uh, a brain surgeon to figure out all of this activity would create higher prices, and that is the reason why. And that's I never could figure out the Fed, why the Fed's mind, why the, why they continued to do quantitative easing. Well, now it's because of all of the trillions of dollars that went into the economy last year, or in 2020. Maybe we didn't need it. In retrospect, which we didn't have, we did not need the trillions of dollars that went out there that created the inflation. How are you going to slow down inflation without crashing the economy into a recession? That is going to be a tall task, and there's certainly a wall of worry. Fed tightening is on the top of that. The yield curve that you talked about is on that. But for people listening, rising mortgage rates are certainly going to be an issue. Uh, you talk about earnings guidance that you know that starts this week, and companies are going to bring up inflation because the cost of running their business has gone up. So it's going to slow the economy down. Uh, to what point we don't quite know yet, but it's going to be something to watch and something to very a very important topic over the next 12 months.
0: Yeah, when you talk about that wall of worry, the worst thing you can do is make panic moves because when people are you know a little bit nervous about their future, we don't know are we teetering on the edge of a recession. I saw Larry Summers, uh, the liberal economist, come out and say when you've got. unemployment under 4% and you've got inflation over 4% in the post-World War II period, that has always been a harbinger of a recession within the next Mm -hmm. two years. And really over the last 12 years, uh, 14, heck, since the, the recession, 13, 14, the recession of 2009, with the exception of COVID, we haven't had... A recession. It's been steady growth. But the way you don't make panic moves is by, as Dave, you always say, knowing what you own, why you own it, and and having a plan. And that's why it is just so important to head to AnnexWealth.com and, and make sure you're getting that free portfolio review. Make sure you're working with the fee-only fiduciary who's working with and for you. It's It's I don't want to say easy to make money when times are good, but in times of uncertainty, you do really need that 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 guidance. And yep. you can get that at AnnexWealth.com. So, with inflation, I mean, kind of poised to, to dominate our economic discussions and pretty much everything. I mean, that's the thing. With inflation, it, this isn't something that just impacts the investor class. This isn't something that, oh, you know, the stock market's great. Well, you know, the majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck here. Mm -hmm. And you really have devastating consequences when they're essentially priced out of the staples they buy, because that sort of has this ripple effect across the economy. If all of a sudden people aren't driving as much because gas is too expensive, well, then you've got travel industry problems heading into the summer. Uh, if people aren't going out to the Friday fish fry in Wisconsin, that seems almost sacrilegious, but <laughs> frankly, it, it's something that people have. You see the restaurant industry, which has already been decimated because of uh, COVID and all of that. People don't go out to the and movies, labor. entertainment, yeah. labor, all of this. I mean, The price of you know building materials uh, goes up. People aren't building houses. I mean, you just see what a horrible impact that can have just in all sectors of the economy across all. All income levels, you can, you can, um,
1: and that is really the key. And so, of course, you know, uh, a talk show uh, extraordinaire <laughs> such as yourself, <laughs> you are not on the lower income strata. But look at you know at the fifty percent mark, and and go down. And this unwed mother who is working her tail off to try to feed her kids, it is crushing her, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's got to go to the grocery store. She's going to have to fill up her gas she's going to have to make a decision on what she's going to buy and what she's not going to buy, and that is because of inflation. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the things that, that did well were asset prices, asset prices of real estate, asset prices of equities. They did well. So, again, you're going to have this, this division uh, of economic output, and, but if you are concerned about trying to make sure that she's okay, how do you do that? Well, you're going to have to slow down the economy without causing recessions. You said, you know, what do you do in making harsh moves? Well, one of the things that you can do, and we see institutional managers have been doing it now for more than a month, is they're going to go to more defensive securities. And so instead of maybe high-growth names in discretionary space, they're going to move to ideas that do better in a tougher economy, health care, uh, staples, uh, you know, some of the retail that you're going to, you know, always go to Wal- Walgreens or even McDonald's. And you'll look at those spaces and say, those are securities names that can do well. The harsh move would be, I'm going to try to time the market. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a binary decision in my head. And so I'm going to sell all my stuff and I'm going to sit in cash until the storm subsides. And then I'm going to go back in. Well, w- w- very, very, very rare can people get that yeah. uh, that that right twice, Dan? When they get out and when they get back in, and so that's really the idea: is how do you shift your portfolio to take advantage of higher inflation?
0: Well, right, and it, it just it all it always has struck me as a, a fool's errand and almost like unnecessary speculation that unless you really need the money that you've got. In investments within the next, you know, obviously all bets are off if you're, you know, retiring from your job and all of a sudden you need to tap into that. I mean, if you've got investments that have a lot of value that you can sort of wait out, you know, they're not going to drop as much as, uh, say, the overall market, and and maybe they're a little bit more conservative, so they don't and the market highs go as high as they might otherwise. But if you're diversified enough. It yeah. seems to me that you, you should be right. You shouldn't yeah. be. You should be pulling out and 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 trying to get back in because, as you said, that's a that's a, a a double blind guess, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, the big story here with this budget deficit, which was your original question, is because tax revenues were up. This is going to come back up because, as you well know. Uh, build back better, even smaller, is being floated again. And Manchin, who was the vote to kind of kill that thing, can now look at this and say, you know, well, hold on a second, revenues are up, do we really need to take uh, the tax levels up again? Because that whole conversation has been reignited, and Biden now wants to do those same tax raises on corporations and income levels. He wants to reinstitute that, and that's what this budget deficit and higher revenue is going to be part of the conversation. So as that starts to come back up, Prior to the election, uh, this is this right, this hot topic right here, the budget deficit will be center of that. It sounds like something that's on page six on the bottom column, but it will be a big part of the comfort conversation with Manchin and the rest of the politicians over the next six months, Dan, and especially before the election that's coming in front of us. Yeah, it, it
0: certainly seems that it would be the height of foolishness after you can actually. i, I uh, posted on my social media a chart that shows when inflation took off and it, it almost immediately followed Biden's inauguration that when you injected what's so Putin? <laughs> Putin? <It> was <laughs> right the Putin price Putin? hikes no. sure yeah right. uh, when you inject 1.9 trillion dollars into an already recovering and, and overheated economy it bad things happen and now we're you know unfortunately flirting with the possibility of history repeating but as we always say we shall. See, Dave,
1: always a pleasure
0: talking to you. Uh, Great information, as always. Do appreciate it.
1: Thank you, sir. And uh, the intersection between uh, economics and politics continues on, and uh, that's really what we're talking about here today. And that's why we are
0: here every week
2: on The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on
1: this podcast.